When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Chris Evans here, and welcome once again to the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, dynamic comedic duo Matt Lucas and Ellis James lift the lid on the return of, yes, you're hearing this correctly, the return of Fantasy Football League on Sky Max. It's back. Irish acting royalty Sharon Horgan chats about her hit Apple TV Plus show, Bad Sisters. Telly sensation and all-round beautiful human being Rylan Clark turns the pages of his brand-new memoir, 10. An icon of tennis and telly Sue Barker serves up many details from her amazing life in her new autobiography, Calling the Shots. All of that and so much more to come, so Vassos, kick things off and tell us who's up first. Our next (laughs) guests are here to tell us about a programme you might remember from the 90s and Badil and Skinner. Yes, Fantasy Football League is relaunched tonight at 10pm on Sky Max and Now TV. So please welcome the biggest new signings of this or any other transfer window. It's the new hosts, Matt Lucas and Ellis J. Good morning, Alice. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. What a fantastic (laughs) intro. I feel like I'm about to fight in a title fight. Do you know what? That's all the beans there from you, wasn't it? Congratulations. I love fantasy football. How excited are you this morning? And we weren't weren't given a sneaky link, so we haven't watched it. Because it it was only filmed last night, isn't that right, Matt? That's right, yeah. We film them. We write them on a Monday and Tuesday. We film them on a Wednesday. And they get edited on a Thursday and shown on a Thursday (laughs) night. Also, good morning, everybody. Hello. And good morning to Craig David, because that was a very Craig David-esque description of the production schedule for Fantasy Football League. (laughs) So, Matt and Ellis, uh, tell us first of all, your memories and um, uh, the worship at the altar of the original show and then tell us about uh, how this all came to be and, and, and come again. First of all, Ellie. Well, I was about 14 when it started. Comedy obsessed, football obsessed and it was like God had written my perfect show. So I used to, I used to tape it off the telly it, it meant a huge amount to you. I was, I was a massive fan of David Baddiel and Frank Skinner um, and yeah, it was just absolute must- Appointment viewing, I think, is the word they used. Yeah. And, um, you know, that period uh, was a real golden age for British comedy as well. And I was, I I looked very young, so I couldn't go out in town because I couldn't get served. But it was fine because Friday night was just full of yeah. great programmes I wanted to watch. So yeah. And so, um, what are your what are your fondest memories of the show? What were your favourite bits of the original show? Well, Phoenix and the Flames, obviously. But also the thing I really loved about it, and I went back and watched a few of the old episodes, is it was lovely to see football fans, but who aren't ex-players and pundits and journalists talking about the game in a way that I could relate to. So I think that was part of the original sort of charm of the show. What about you, Matt? Well, I always loved the show and um, I used to use my 
connections because I was on Shooting Stars, my BBC connections to wangle tickets to go and watch it being recorded. So um, I used to go to Capitol Studios in Wandsworth and then I ended up being on it one time. Uh, I think in the last series they ever did for the Euros in 2004, was it? Yeah, yeah um, I was a guest on it, which I was I was thrilled. Um, I loved it. And, and I think there was something very candid and honest about um, David and Frank on the show. They were just themselves. Um, and, and also, I think so much around that time, so much football coverage on TV was the way I put it the other day was I said that most football coverage is like the program when you go to football but fantasy football league is like the fanzine and um, so it was just really refreshing and um, also it it didn't just focus on the big clubs did it It, it, yes because Frank's a big West Brom fan so they were often looking at at lower division clubs and things like that well, we've it got. It, sorry, it didn't matter because football's football to fans, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. As long as you're talking football, it's all okay. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot of programs, old programs on the set. We were flicking through them last night. They're so dull. <laughs> <laughs> right, injury news. Um, well, who was it now? Chelsea's match against Tromso in, in 1997. That was on the coffee table. And who were the sponsors? Um, the Norwegian <laughs> Prawn Council. I love all that. I mean, you know, they are dull, you know, in the cold light of day 20 years on. But when you're at the game, because you you got you have the time, don't you? Yeah. You've yeah. got an hour, you sit and you see and you go, yeah, I've got time to see who the local sponsors are. And I've got time for in- breaking injury news literally bad yeah. sometimes. Um, when you were on the show, Matt, and when you went to watch the show in person, yeah. what did you think about the production point of view? What did you learn about telly from it? Well, I learned that uh, it, it, it was much more intimate than a lot of audience TV shows. And that's something you had on, on um, uh, TFI, wasn't it? That, that it, was, it, was more, it was more intimate. Not everything had to be... sort of, You know, if you watch Noel's House Party at that time or Barrymore, there were huge audiences. But Fantasy Football League had those sofas and maybe only 100 people in that audience or 150 people. So it felt like being part of a club when you watch that show. And um, one of the things we, we do, as they did back then, is encourage all the audience members to wear their own football football yeah. jerseys. And uh, so it's really colourful looking out at them. And, yeah. and they feature in the show. You, you know, they call things out and we love that. I'm so excited for you. I can't watch tonight because it's 10 o'clock and we've got to be in bed by like four in the afternoon. Well, it will be on, on all the catch-up, won't No, it? I know, but I want to watch it before tomorrow's show. So if you can get us anything, anything... Before like bedtime tonight. If not, I watch. I promise I watch it tomorrow before the show. I can't. I cannot wait for the show to come back. Can you? I'm Russ? really. I'm really so excited. excited. I'm just thinking about my favourite bits from the original one. Stato, Angus. I, I. I once did a Winter Olympics with him for Eurosports. It was just us in Paris overnight. What, and what the, was the, what was his input there? He and I would do the commentary. But what he said was, "I'll do all the ice hockey." Yeah. And I went, "Great! I know nothing about ice hockey. Thank you, Angus." He goes, "You do everything else." I went, oh, hang on, I don't know anything about figure skating or bobsleigh either, but I had to just learn it all. And it was it was great. It was a very calm pair of hands. And I once saw his spreadsheet of bets. Yeah. Oh, my goodness me. I mean, he goes, well, that's my liability there. And I, that comes in and that's going to... It was like, you know, know. It was frightening, but... 
quite impressive. Um, I'm really pleased with you. I do feel like you're on the brink of something absolutely huge here. You can tell. You can sense it in the air. And oh. this happens now and again on the show. You know, every every year, you know, 18 yeah. months, somebody comes in with something you think this is going to be up. I think it's going to be massive. Well, I hope massive. so. I mean, I mean, the thing is, for those people that watched Fantasy Football League back in the day, yeah. um, it is we have the same theme tune. Uh, the opening credits are a nod to yeah. what Frank and David did. The set is the same. Uh, we have Phoenix from the Flames, where we recreate a, a famous moment from footballing history. We, you know, it is fantasy football league. That's what it is. We're not trying to change it. It was such a great show that that is what we are doing. All right. Well, congratulations ahead of times. Um, you know, best of luck. I don't think you're going to need it, but it never goes amiss, does it? Well done. Thank you, Chris. Congratulations. Thank you, Chris. It's awesome. Matt Lucas and Ellis James Fantasy Football League comes back tonight. Comes back. It is back, back, back. Skymax, 10 p.m. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. An Ireland rugby legend would be the big star of most families, but Shane's not got a... Sorry about this. Half bad sister. You're welcome. You know her from pulling and catastrophe. And now her smash new show, Bad Sisters, is available on Apple TV+. So please welcome actor, writer, comedian, producer, and easily the best, Horgan. It's Sharon Horgan! Good morning, Sharon Horgan. Thank you. Shane is going to be chuffed about that. (laughs) So about being the best Horgan. So Apple TV+. Lots of people have it, but don't know they have it. Lots of people have it, but don't know what to watch on it. Bad Sisters gets 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. So tell us about that. Tell us how that feels. Oh, it's brilliant. I mean, I spent about two and a half years making the show. So, you know, you just kind of hope that people will like it. and, uh, And people do seem to... To like it. Oh, come on. Hang on a minute. You, you, it's difficult for you to say because you're so modest. They don't like it. They love it. It's got 100% on worldwide, by the way, on Rotten Tomatoes. So I think I watched the first two episodes. I think it's like I'm going I'm going Big Little Lies. I'm going Shallow Grave. I'm going a bit of Father wow. Ted. I could go Father on, but I, I could go on, but what I won't. The hell? Yeah, no, the insurance guys. <laughs> the who? The oh, brothers. Yeah. Just, they've, got a, they've got a bit of <laughs> Father Ted going on. Yeah, yeah. Bit, of, bit of sort of intellectual chaos going on there and calamity. What do you think, Rachel? Well, I've watched seven episodes. Oh, good. And I just, every week, I'm just waiting for the next one to drop because you're only doing, the first two were released together, weren't they? And then it's yeah. been like one a week since then. Yeah. So on my way home on the tube, I'll be downloading. I've absolutely loved it because it's got so much in it. It's got like the shallow grave, the whole dark side to it. It's coercive relationships and, 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 and the sort of, outward ripples that that can have on a family but there is the comedy to it and also the most amazing scenery where is it filmed it's filmed like all around ireland we shot like a lot of our exteriors in ireland like southern ireland and uh northern ireland as well um yeah we got really lucky it it, we've made ireland look quite sunny doesn't rain a lot (laughs) and it's not was it actually ireland (laughs) it was constantly raining throughout the time we were there we just had to keep sort of changing our scenes and running indoors and and, where's uh, the gorgeous place where you all do your outwater cold swimming oh yeah that's uh that's called the 40 foot um beautiful 40 foot drop uh in in dorky in county dublin it is isn't it it's freezing cold though it's it's colder than 
I mean, a- anything I've experienced. I haven't done a huge amount of cold water swimming, but it's it's uh, freeze your I, c- I can't say body yeah. parts. Freeze your body parts off. You, so, you can sort of say what you like. <laughs> um, all right. So for people who don't know, who are late to the party, I'm late to the party. I watched it twice yesterday because you, you're on the show today. But I'm going to watch the rest of them. By the way, I nearly sent you Prezi yesterday because I've got a special link with all episodes and I thought you'd love it. I just forgot to send this yeah, I was just gonna, All I was going to say was on the, I'll tell the email, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Simple as that. All uh, right. F- can you frame it for people who don't know what we're talking about? This is Bad Sisters 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's about, um, it's about five sisters and um, they're really tight. They've got a re- really close bond um, but one of the sisters is married to just an awful terrible monster of a man and so uh the four sisters decide that they're gonna take him out they're gonna kill him but they're 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 really they're just really bad at murder and oh, he's, they're really devious he's, they're not- i know he but, and he's really good at um evading uh death and then there's these two insurance guys who were the holders of his uh life insurance policy and they don't want to pay out so that's the kind of cat and mouse of it and you know there's all sorts of other stuff there's like there's love and uh good Irish scenery and yeah it's a thriller it's like a, a drama and a comedy and, really and is, a thriller yeah and it's really you know again you know you have um, a stellar cast just give some of your, your pals who are in it a shout out yeah so there's um, Eve Hewson um, she plays the the baby sister um, Eva Berthistle Sarah Green Amory Duff who um, amazing? Who's she, the she beleaguered plays Grace. wife? Yeah, she she's married to um, the monster, the a hole, the a hole, and uh, and Clace Bang plays the the a hole. Very then, well, he, very well. Please tell me he's really nice in real life. Yeah, he's great. Of course, yeah. he is. he's just a great actor. <laughs> yeah, he's That's a great what actor. Do. He's a he's a, a great laugh. He's a um, a Danish chap. Um, people might know him from The Square. Oh, and Dracula. Who's Dracula? And then there's also Daryl McCormack and 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 Brian and Brian Gleeson who play the in, the insurance brothers. Yeah, and it's it's not it's not it's not exactly lavish, but it's so stylish. It's so beautifully done. Clearly, it, they yeah. gave you what you required to make it. Well, loads beautiful. of money. Yeah, well, they seem to. <laughs> they gave us some toys. You know, they gave us some cameras. Look, when um, you see when you see a, a boat in the in the driveway to establish the character, I think <laughs> oh, this has got a decent budget behind it. So, can we have a boat? Because that sort of tells tells you so much more. Than, you, is, than it, we can in the script. It, know, Do you know what really I mean? Do, totally. I, I've never, I've never got to make anything like, like this before. Yeah. You know. Boat. Yeah. yeah. We have to, sure. Why? Uh, because it sort of says what a demographic they are and how they got some disposable income. Maybe or maybe they haven't, and that's something you may be hiding or not hiding. We didn't because if it was a BBC Three show, you'd get a little model boat in a bottle, um, you know, on the landing. Maybe. Oh, you say you, you can you change the script to somebody's still in our boat? Yeah. How about there's no boat? <laughs> how about he's on his boat? The boat that didn't rock. Why not? <laughs> because we couldn't afford the boat. No, it was great. It was great. But but also we have um, amazing directors who made it look um, really. Um, beautiful as well so there you know there was money and there was a load of talent behind the scenes yeah. making it glossy you know and the whole th- the whole thriller aspect of it you know I mean it's proper isn't it I haven't yeah. got a clue what's go- I mean I'm, I have ideas you know it's funny that you alluded to the fact that um, you've decided to kill him I thought well we can't mention that well he's dead, be a he's dead at the beginning no he's I know but coffin. you don't know that the sisters were going to get together to kill him oh god Till about, well, you know, you don't. We, it's, it's funny because you're so down, far down the journey of the show. You think, well, we can mention that now. But, yeah, you know, you I, think, I think it's. I think you know. I I like that it's coming out um, weekly. You know, well, first of all, because you spend that long making it, and then someone watches it in a weekend. You just think, what? 
You know, I, I, I'm really enjoying the fact that it's weekly because I definitely would have binged it, but I feel like it's had this like pervasive influence on my life for like <laughs> the last six weeks. And like because it is, it starts it starts with the wake and it starts with him in the coffin, and then almost each episode there's another attempt yeah. and the sort of ingenuity of how they go about well, it and the different ways the they come thing. at it. Have only watched the second episode, so he doesn't get killed in the third. <laughs> well, well it can't be every week, every week. It technically can't be called a spoiler because there's seven. You, you, you know, seven out there. Yeah. No, that's now. why there's Eight seven today, yeah um, but yeah you sort of change your mind throughout you kind of think you know you think you know who who might have done it and then you you it flips Sharon you're awesome you continue to be awesome thank you all right well done Very congratulations nice. uh, let's give it another big plug apple tv plus bad sisters available now an exclusive on apple tv plus uh, still having their quarters built but look they haven't even got a home and they're, they're already <laughs> smashing it ridiculous that's that's how virtual uh, that kind of world can be and successful at the same time episode eight available from today and that's sharon horgan the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky virgin radio if you Google our next guest, the suggested search isn't your usual net worth or age or partner. It's teeth. And I have to say, they are magnificent. <laughs> they are. In fact, his teeth are a whole chapter of his latest Whoa. book, 10, out today. So please welcome your dentist's favourite celebrity, and let's face it, probably yours as well, it's Ryland Clark. Oh, morning, Ryland. Good morning. How are you guys? Uh, we're great. Thanks so much for coming. Well done on this amazing book. Mate, thank you. This is an absolute pleasure <laughs> to be on your show. It really is. Right, uh, chapter 12, single. Oh, oh, you're right in. Yeah, of wow. course. If this thumb swipes one more time it's going to fall off how's the swiping going I've lost my thumb <laughs> still swiping Chris still swiping so you start about you know becoming single unexpectedly single um, mm. and that's how the book starts with an intro not a chapter yeah and then you um, then the sort of uh, the, the weight seems the burden seems to lift as the book goes on and then you start celebrating being uh, at Eurovision working at Eurovision yeah. for the first time single yes how has it all changed being single in this mad, crazy world of show business? Well, I mean, I had my own uh, scorecard in Torino this year, put it that way. <laughs> um, no, it was, do you know what? It was so crazy to be at the Gay Olympics, as some would call it, and be single. <laughs> it was like, oh, I'm a... I'm a, shall I look back? Like, I, was, I thought it was Scott Mills. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and us two together, we are like Pepsi and Shirley on tour. Love it. So Great reference as well. You can literally imagine. So, and Scott's with his lovely partner, Sam, and Sam always comes. And literally, they were just peddling me around. It, at one point, it was like the Hunger Games. Yeah. Walking through the Eurovision bubble. And it was like, Albania, meet Ryland. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a special, special time. It's exactly what I needed this year. By the way, how's Sam Ryder? How, how Sam is... is unreal. Yeah, and yeah. he's just so amazing yeah. such an amazing guy and um, yeah I can't wait to he this should have happened for him years ago um, but it's happened now and yeah, we're and so it's all, all the better for, for it not happening because you yeah. know we are where we're meant to be because exactly. it happened at the right time a bit like this so. your story is fantastic because you you are first and foremost and remain a fan of the shows you used to watch and now work on absolutely now that is that is more that's beyond the dream come true just tell us talk to talk yeah, about yeah I mean I mean for example like Big Brother you know I was the biggest Big Brother fan in the world yeah. I think everyone knew that and then I someone took a punt on me and I did my apprenticeship at Big Brother hosting that for 
I think six, seven years. And yeah. I mean, the producers used to get wound up because I always used to say, I'm a fan before I'm a presenter. Yeah. But I think that's why it worked because I think people believed me when I was talking about stuff. But, you know, you talk about, you've always been a grafter. You, you have been blessed with the gene as I have, you know, and it really is a blessing. The ginger I, gene. I, I, well, the ginger gene, but also oh. loving working. Yeah, we I do. Love, I loved working. And do you know what, Chris? Some people don't we're like lucky. it. We're so lucky to be doing the job that we do. Yeah, but in the, but in the first place, you also, I'm talking about when you worked in the hair salon. Oh, like, God, like yeah. the jobs you, I just always, it doesn't matter, I used to fit car windscreens. I just love working. Yeah, I, li- I like being in control of my own life. Yeah. And, you know, the only way a lot of people can do that is by earning money and yeah, by yeah. looking after themselves. You know, I didn't grow up, I grew up around the corner from here in Stepney Green. You know, yeah. we didn't have anything growing up. We didn't go without, but we, we didn't have money. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to be able to go from growing up in a council house in Stepney to living in the house I do now and buying my mum, building my mum a house... It's, you know, that's that's all you want in life, isn't it? So, yeah, so auditioning to be on shows, you know, uh, to, 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 to perform uh, and then getting a job on this morning and reporting on famous people, mm. reporting on celebrities doing whatever they're doing and then getting a chat show and talking to famous people, that, but then becoming, you know, and you can't say this, but I can, more famous than the people you're interviewing. becoming the No, becoming the person who then writes books and then is interviewed about them. Yeah. That's some kind of journey, pal. I mean, it's it's very Black Mirror, definitely. <laughs> and if Charlie's listening, please write me in. I've been bullying Connie Huck for about six years, going, can you get Charlie to write me in Black Mirror? That's the next chapter. But um, yeah, I mean, it's. I say in the book, I should have lasted 10 minutes and all of a sudden it's 10 years. Tell, tell us how come that's, that's different for you, has become different for you compared to other people who, who did only have their 15 minutes of I don't know, fame. Chris. C- come on, you must have thought about it. To, to be honest, everyone asks me that question and I always just sit there and say, I don't care if you're my runner or my exec producer. Yeah. I will treat everyone the same. I always have done. Yeah. And last year I had a fall in my own life. I fell over. Um, and then people were there to pick me back up again because I always treated everyone with respect. Yeah. So I think that's why I'm still going 10 years. Everyone will have a fall, whatever it is, however hard it is, whether it's a soft fall or a really hard one. Mm. And I had a really bad one last year. But everyone stood there and waited. You know, everyone went, you take your time. You take as long as you need. And now I'm back. I didn't lose anything. You gained. Yeah, I gained. Growth. And I was I was lucky with that. And I think and I think that's been my secret. I've not changed just my teeth and a couple of fillers. But <laughs> <laughs> Give us some tips because at the end of every chapter, you round off each chapter and it's really nice. You cap each chapter off from, from what we've read in the chapter and what you've learned yourself yeah, in the lessons. chapter and tried to convey. Uh, but your 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 biggest sort of um, tip section is your beauty tips, which goes on for pages. <laughs> and pages, pages it, it rivals only your bid to become the next prime minister, which is also in the book. Which will happen. Mark my words. <laughs> yeah. things Hopefully by lunchtime, please. <laughs> I mean, at least I'd say something. But we won't go there um but yeah no i mean the whole book you know you've got all the hard stuff in there you've got the gritty stuff yeah. but then you've got a chapter called my favorite things and it's just me rambling about cleaning products and makeup and fake tan and toothpaste yeah, just yeah. stupid things um but yeah each chapter ends with a lesson um and it's just sort of the takeaways from that chapter that you could then put the book down for a bit and then come back 
But actually, one my favourite part of the book that everyone always asks about, they go, what's your favourite part? And it's the bits I didn't write, which is the lessons we've learned together. Yeah. So I've got six people who are very close to me in my life. My sister-in-law, my makeup artist, my manager, um, my mum, yeah. um, Claire from Steps, Ruth Langsford. Yeah, yeah. Obviously not Claire Richards, Claire from Steps. <laughs> she's known as. And they, they wrote letters for the book. Your mum's is extensive, isn't it? Well, I, I, I mean, I don't want to ruin the illusion, but I had to have someone sit down with my mum. She can't even use Skype. Right. or virgin so she she's clearly, got no idea she can clearly talk <laughs> yeah, she rambled honestly the, the woman that sat down with my mum to help her with her letter yeah still there. wants to do a book <laughs> wants to do a book about my mum that's wow. literally what she wants to do and i'm like absolutely not cogglebox is enough hey Ryan, a joy to meet you <laughs> it's my absolute pleasure thanks right, for having pal. me and we need tips about hair makeup especially as a ginger any tips about all this babes you do realize i'm a ginger okay. well i know that now i didn't there you know go. That before See, i could change your life some colorist you have sweep. there okay or I swipe. My own <laughs> swipe my bottom right the number <laughs> again the that's number... how i got on the show in the first place yeah uh, welcome to show business everyone the number one sunday <laughs> times bestseller ryland 10 the decade that changed my future is out now. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. She is the national treasure who spent love 30 years anchoring all the top sports events and now she's serving up all the juice from her remarkable life on court and in studio in her new book Calling the Shots out this Thursday. She's famously private but now you can be a nosy Parker into the life of the legend Sue Barker. Good morning Sue. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Vassal. Was that okay? That was all right. That was fine. That was fine. We'll take it. He's um, always great. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, usually a signature puntastic, but that's fine. Mm. Are you, you're not you're not famously private, are you, as a person? I have been, actually, yeah. Have you? I very, very rarely do interviews. Right. Uh, never go to any red carpet do's. Right. My, well, my husband would divorce me if, if he ever, I've ever asked him to go to Well, that would be the second half of your life, because you couldn't be private in the first half of your no, life, because you are on no. the tour. No, but things changed when suddenly I was thrown into the spotlight, and I didn't like what that brought with it. Right. And uh, that was a real shock to the system because when you're living in America and playing tennis, you're, you're sort of away from it all. And then you suddenly come back to the UK and you get thrown into this um, media storm. Yeah. And it really, I, I didn't enjoy that at but all. But what a story. I mean, honestly, it's fantastic, your story. I had no idea you were so good at tennis, which is, I can only apologise. <laughs> I knew you were quite good, but I didn't realise you were like, you know, world number three, UK yeah. number one. Um, you won yeah. your first Grand Slam, French Open when you were 20 years old. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Awesome. Thank all you. fantastic thank you now you haven't been broadcasting for quite as long as you've been playing tennis but a lot longer than some people may realize because you were contributing weren't you yes absolutely i started uh in fact when i decided to quit playing tennis mm. uh which was at the australian open because i was injured and i was having to ask tournaments for wild cards yes and i thought this isn't fair because i'm now denying youngsters a chance to follow their dreams in the way i was allowed to when i was a kid right. so i felt i accepted one and then i thought no not again and then i realized i don't want to play on the second tier of tournaments mm. you know I'd, I'd played at the top level I had to go. I was only 29 years of age, which right. now when you look at Roger Federer is nothing, but nobody much played past their 30s back uh, back then. And so after the Australian Open, I lost um, and announced that I was quitting. And I went to the hotel and I had all of these different messages 
messages to phone, newspapers, radio, all this sort of stuff. And I thought, I can't do that. I thought, right, I'll just do a few messages. So I got my mum and I got uh, my coach. And then I saw this one from Gordon Bennett. And I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a friend of mine saying, Gordon Bennett, you've retired. What have you done? So I thought, oh, I think I'll phone Gordon Bennett and see who the joker is. Anyway, I phoned Gordon Bennett and said, can I speak to Gordon Bennett? And this person, I'll just put you through now. I was like, hold on, this wasn't what I planned. I thought someone was going to have a joke. And he was the boss of Channel 7 in Australia, and he said, I want to offer you a job next year. So I was actually only unemployed for an hour. But you had cut your teeth earlier on, hadn't you, on local radio? Cause you, yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And with Jerry Williams in the stands. We used to sit around doing BBC Radio in the stands, all different so events across you, the world. you always had a hankering for it, I maybe. Lo- I, I did love it, but I never thought of it as a career, and certainly never thought of it as, as a presenter. I did go to the BBC when I retired and said, would you take me on as a commentator? And they said, well, we'd love to, but we've got Virginia Wade and we've got Anne Jones and they've both won Wimbledon. Oh, ouchie, ouchie. Well, it's true, but it's, you know... I know. It's the truth and the truth Virginia Wade again on and off the court. She's done it again. All right, let's go back in time. Let's go to the the hotbed of world tennis, Paynton in Devon. Yeah. Tell us about Paynton in Devon. Oh, it was a lovely place to grow up, full of sports all over the place. And my family loved sports, always encouraged us to do sports. And I played a lot of tennis. And then when I was 11, I went to this senior school, the Maris Convent, and they invited this famous coach, Arthur Roberts, to... He selected two kids from each class and would offer them coaching. And the Maris Convent was the best school, the the most successful school in the UK for six years, even though we only had 198 pupils, all because of his coaching. And so I was running around this court when he turned up and he was only going to select two and there's about ten of us on the court. And he straight away picked out Judy Reeve, who was the best player, no question. So I was then running around, thought, I've only got one chance, I've only got one chance. And I knew I wasn't the best, you know, out of the ones left. But he suddenly called out my name and I went over and he said, you're not the second best. I thought, I know that. But he said, I like what I see and I think you have potential. And that started um, my career with Arthur that lasted all the way through my my uh, tennis career. I never had another coach and he was the most amazing man who not only <laughs> taught me tennis but taught me life skills and belief in myself because I was a bit of a mini mouse and I was quite, you know, I had to come out for myself and be able to walk out on well, those yeah. big show courts. And You went from mini mouse to mini the minx though because <laughs> you've always had a soft spot for McEnroe, I know you have and you have a soft spot for Kyrgios because I can tell <laughs> and it's because you had a little junior super bratness about you at times, didn't you? Oh I did, yes. I, I, I was playing at Eastbourne one time and I was winning the match but I was playing awful. How old were you? Uh, 14. And my mum was sitting in the stands. I banned my dad because he kept tutting every time I missed something. And um, I was winning the match but playing badly. And I won the match but I was so angry I belted this ball out of, not only out of the court, but almost out of Devonshire Park. And uh, the referee came running over and was going to default me from the tournament. It was a junior tournament. And my coach went up and had a word. And he said, "Okay, we'll give her one more chance. And he said, don't you ever, ever do that again. And my mum actually said, 
she was ne- never been so embarrassed to call me her daughter. So that was it. Never From again. mouse to minx, it's, it's amazing, though. <laughs> see, Mark, you're awesome. Oh, thank you. It's you lovely remember, to see you again. Do you remember that time you, so you gave us a wink on the telly? Do you yes, remember? I do. <laughs> that was so funny. Did you, did you think I would do it? It was like... That... I thought, yeah, I did actually think you'd do it, yeah. <laughs> Just tell everybody the story <laughs> briefly. We've got like a you, you had sort of challenged me in the morning before we did our... Well, oh, you listeners. challenged me on air, didn't you, for I the listeners? Said... Do a wink tomorrow morning as you come on air. For the listeners. For the At listeners, Wimbledon. you know. And don't say anything. You just say good night. And, uh, and so as we came up, and I told all the production staff, I said, I've got to do this because I can't let Chris down. Yeah. He'll be looking. You told me you'd be and looking. I said all the li- and there was lots of listeners <laughs> tuning in to see, she ain't going to do the wink. And I did. It was I sort brilliant. Of, as, it, as it said, it said, winked and said, hello, welcome to Wimbledon. <laughs> A little giggle. I was watching her. I was so chuffed. <laughs> so great to have you on the show. You're always nice. welcome. Always welcome. Thank you so much. All Thanks, right. Chris. Thanks, Vassal. Sue Barker has this book out is brilliant calling the shots her autobiography we love the title by the way what other titles made the shortlist actually very few you don't need one you don't need any others do you no as soon as they said that one i thought that that works for both calling the shots all right brilliant the brilliant sue barker on your radio the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky virgin radio Okay, we've heard from a bunch of incredible guests already, but still to come, the one and only Piers Morgan joins us again to chat all the latest goings on and what to expect from his show Uncensored. The marvellous Miles Jupp discusses his starring role in the Lavender Hill Mob, which is touring all over the UK from October. The king of cosy Mike Viking flips through his new book, My Hugger Home, and chatting mum's cat dealing Edith Bowman spill the beans of the second season of their podcast, Friends Will Be Friends. So let's get right back to it now. Vassos? Who's next? I've just got back from the loo where I definitely washed my hands, I promise. Okay, I didn't. Just being in this man's presence means the truth will out. So, for truths, news, and opinions, watch Piers Morgan, uncensored weeknights at 8 pm on Talk TV. A titan of broadcasting, he's like the British Hulk Hogan. Please welcome the mighty Piers Morgan. Morning, Piers. Good morning, Chris. Hulk Hogan—that takes me back. Yeah, hero. yeah, me too. It's, I don't. It's not. He's not. Hulk Hogan's not a broadcaster. He's a wrestler. He's yeah, a grappler. A little bit rhymes with Morgan. Oh, I see. That's it. Okay. It's been a tough weekend <laughs> on Vassar's the Vassar Hustle. Uh, Piers, what's going on? Well, the world is going completely nuts, isn't it? I've been thinking this for quite a while, and you wake up this morning and you see the pound collapsing almost to parity with the dollar, and I, I, I imagine most of your listeners are thinking, "Well, what the hell does this mean?" And I fear what it means is that the financial experts of the world have taken a good look at our unbelievably dramatic new financial plan from the new prime minister and chancellor, and they don't think it's going to work. And so my prediction is that the Bank of England will now have to rate to jack up interest rates. And of course, that will have an effect of rising inflation rather than reducing it, which is what the government is claiming they're intending to do. So all a bit of a mess. Wouldn't it be better if they worked together? Well, who? The, the Prime Minister and the Chancellor? Yeah. No, no, <laughs> yeah, well, no, 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 no. The Treasury and the Bank of England is what I meant. Well, no, I don't think it is, actually, because right. I think that would make things worse. I actually think an independent Bank of England is utterly crucial right, right now. Okay. You know, look, I think that in simple terms, yes. this new government of just three weeks have basically stuck everything on red, and right now it's coming up black. And if they don't sort themselves out pretty damn sharply, we could be in severe, severe economic crisis. 
Yeah, but I mean, diversity is everything, like you say, isn't it? That's what you're saying. You know, it's, it's that it's the classic, isn't it? Don't put all your eggs in one basket, and they they just yeah. they just hope close their eyes and hope. Apparently, there's um there's a body that you when you come up with a, an idea for a budget and you refer the budget to uh, these geniuses and they figure out how it's going to work and where it might come from, how you might fund it, how much you need to borrow, and um, the people on the receiving end of this or would be receiving end of this, apparently they just stuck their things in this and went la 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 la. Don't tell us, no, it's fine. Yeah. We're st- we're still going to go ahead with it. Is that what you've heard? Yeah, I mean, look, we don't know how they're going to fund it. And Kwasi Kwarteng, he talks a good game, but he hasn't explained how we're going to pay for all this. And, you know, today I wake up and there's more headlines, more tax cuts to come. Well, how is he going to pay for this? How is the country going to pay for this? We're in no position right now to finance gigantic tax cuts. And, you know, honestly, you look at some of the things they're doing. They're not putting windfall taxes on energy companies despite massive profits you know they're saying to bankers you can have unlimited bonuses which is what got us into the financial crash of 0809 and you think well what are the priorities here the priorities should be helping the people who are literally struggling to pay for the food on their tables yeah it shouldn't be helping out bankers energy companies and honestly people like me and you who earn you know high rate of, of money uh, and don't need big tax cuts right now. So I just think all their priorities seem to be completely wrong. It looks to me like a classic case of a of a rookie new administration trying to please the conservative base, but forgetting they've got a country to run. Yeah, no, it is um, completely confusing, and I completely agree with you. Apparently, six hundred twenty-seven thousand people um, earn over one hundred fifty grand a year, and you quite rightly put yourself and myself in that bracket. And obviously, everybody else doesn't, and yet the upper echelons of, you know, as far as the financial uh, table of wages is concerned, gets a five percent decrease, uh, which is like you know ninety-five percent more than everybody else, which seems completely crazy um as far as mortgages are concerned if the bank of england have to rush to to increase interest rates you know from an emergency point of view in the next couple of days which it looks like they might i mean that just makes it all even worse again doesn't it it's turning turning the screw that we thought was already as tight as it should be for at least a month well housing housing is already completely unaffordable for many young people i've got three sons in their 20s all really struggling to be able to finance even basic rentals and you think, well, what is going to happen now? You jack up interest rates. It's going to make mortgages far more expensive. Uh, I think there'll be a knock-on effect on rentals. The housing market is on the precipice of a collapse. So I hate to be the, the doom monger. I always try and be positive yeah. about this. But it really does look like casino politics. Oh. And I don't yeah, in other news, two pints of beer a day or two units of alcohol a day stave off dementia, Piers. <laughs> well, I think I'm living proof of that's the case. Uh, yes. Someone, I mean, someone beg to differ, but never mind. Um, it's funny, I mean, I don't know about you, but I used to, when I was about 18, 19, I could drink 12 pints of bitter without even touching the side. Yeah. And now, if I have even one, one pint of Harvey's yeah. hand pump, uh, I feel like I'm I'm suitably nourished. I think as you get older, your consumption rate decreases. But I, I'm more, I think beer is a great British institution, so particularly the way we serve it. So, if it stays off dementia as well, it's a win-win. Uh, Pitch, you said before you're going to get angry tonight. Um, how does that work? How do you calibrate your anger throughout the day so you save enough for your show? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm reading everything. You want to be informed angry. You don't want to be just reactive angry. You know, right. Anyone can get angry just you know, saying, isn't this disgusting? I want to explain to my viewers tonight, when they tune in at 8 o'clock, I think it's going to be a very turbulent day 
for the pound and for our economy. But I think they've taken a reckless throw of the dice here, and I'm going to call them out on it. And I think that, you know, in the end, you've got to represent your viewers. And most viewers and most of your listeners are going to be very fearful today about what this all means to them and their families. And I want to reflect my anger through the prism of these people and say, this is where we are. This is what I feel about it. And this is what I think we need to do to get out of it. Safe to say that you won't be selling your house in Los Angeles anytime soon. No, well, actually, I'll be there in a few weeks. But you know, America's you know in a much better position. That's what I'm saying. The, the dollar is incredibly strong right now yeah. because actually they are far less reliant on foreign energy than Europe is. So you know, you've got countries throughout Europe, including us, massively over reliant on energy coming from Russia and Ukraine and from food from Ukraine, which is of course very difficult to get out. America's not in that position. So historically, when you go through big global economic meltdowns, the dollar does tend to be strong. So actually America is a you know in a pretty good place comparative to us and the rest of Europe right now. Got it, Piers. Uh, Piers, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're welcome again next Monday, if you like. Piers Morgan Uncensored weeknights at 8pm on Talk TV and tonight, 8pm, of course, including that Sky uh, Channel 526, Virgin Media, Channel 627, Freeview, 237, Freesat, 217 and Skyglass, Channel 508, YouTube and Live and On Demand on the Talk TV app and Talk.TV. Piers Morgan Uncensored. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Here we go. Over to you, Vasso. Sure. George Clooney and Brad Pitt, Rachel and Monica, Ant and Deck, our next guests. They are the BFFs here to tell us all about series two of their podcast, Friends Will Be Friends, out tomorrow. They are loved across the globe from Fife to Tennessee. Please welcome Edith Bowman and Kat Dealey. It's really good. Oh, thanks. Your podcast is really, really good. Oh, thank you. So you, you I appreciate double, that from you. I really no, do. No, honestly, yeah. you, you double date with other people, don't you? Yeah. Uh, usually one well-known one, and they can bring another well-known friend or not a well-known friend. Anyone. Just frame it. Go on, off you go. Well, it's just what we we talked about it for ages. Yeah. A, we wanted to work together, and we wanted an excuse to work together. Oh, no. so that, Which so has that happened was... before. You've done that before. <laughs> Which was kind of one of the reasons. Yeah. And then the second reason is, I think when people are doing junkets or interviews, or something that, like yep. that, they go into this kind of mode and the facade comes up and they go into almost a little bit, and I'm sure you've had it here as well, where the people go onto automatic pilot yep. a little bit, but it's very hard to do that if your best mate's sitting next to yep. you and knows where all the skeletons are buried yep. and knows you know when you've been your funniest or your worst yeah. or you've cracked each other up or whatever it is, and so that was kind of Right, so idea. how did you two become firm friends? Was it MTV? Yeah, we started at MTV at the same time, and <laughs> And, um, and we, we can't put a date or a time on when we first met. It was She's kind good. of like a bit of it's like liquid, you know, kind of <laughs> moving across a floor or something. But the makeup room is definitely one of those places where everybody hung out and chatted. And then we kind of got thrown together because we were the reliable ones. We were the squares. <laughs> we're the ones who so turn up. We'd turn, turn up on time. Everybody else would <laughs> not be like all. rocking up for work it's in the difficult morning. Difficult. It's in the middle go, of Camden. There's so much have- fun to be had, wasn't there? <laughs> Oh, we still had fun, but we'd be here on time. Yeah, who else was it? Sorry, go on. Who else was around? Uh, Who else was around at the time? Sarah Cox. It was because Christine Bohr, who launched MTV UK, she wanted to represent the UK with accents. So she had me, who I've been told to have elocution lessons and all sorts. So I was like, thank you. I was constantly tapped on the shoulder by Jan, my mum. It was talk properly. Don't talk like that. You shouldn't be talking like. Katie, speak properly. My brother was just left to his own devices and he still talks like that. He's brilliant, Max. 
jokes. But it's really funny and smart. So but you it, got together and did you hit it off straight away? Yeah. We just hung out. Yeah. We just, we'd kind of, we'd do our work. We never really worked together that much at MTV. It was just festivals. Unless and, we stood in. Yeah. There was one time where we, we, there was one moment for me where we were interviewing Suede, remember? Oh, yeah, we were interviewing Brett. Yeah. yeah. And we just, we just chatted together and it was a really natural thing, which is quite difficult if there's a team of you to know when to sit back and when to let the other one breathe mm. a little bit. Yeah. And it just kind of worked brilliantly. And See, then told you. We had a... <laughs> What's that? It's him. Yeah, Does no, he I, chat? I, I never sit you back. Talk to me, talk to me all the Sitting time. Sitting very well on that stool, is, may is I say. What, is that why he's in the naughty corner over there? <laughs> that's definitely the naughty corner if ever I've seen one. Look him, look at that smile, that smirk <laughs> in the back of the class. But I wouldn't melt. I know. It, there's, a, there's a secret platform underneath where you can just pull a button and he go disappears, oh, no, disappears under the wonderful. floor. <laughs> 20 floors down. Wow. I, I was here for the design of the studio as well. I should have mentioned that. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, so you're getting really well. Uh, that's what the podcast is based on. Uh, friends will be friends. How, how Do you have an anniversary? How many years is it now, do you think? Long. I mean, it's just a number, isn't it? Yeah, is it 20? <laughs> it's over 20 years. Is it yeah, really? We, did, we did a travel show together. We came up with this idea when we were just round at Cats one night. Going, that was a ruse. Watching... Um, <laughs> Yeah, watching Thelma and Louise going, wouldn't it be great? But you are like Thelma and Louise, I love that. And we did it, and that's got to be... 20 years ago yeah. so it's, it's 20 plus years this, good yeah. for you yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I promised um, the listeners I would do this earlier on I'm not sure if it's going to work or not but we'll do it okay right oh, after God. three mm-hmm. you two mm. after three yeah. without any consultation in fact Kat you look to your right you look <laughs> yeah. to your left okay, after a lovely th- view by the way thank you <laughs> after three right yeah. I want you to name your favourite fleet or Mac song one two three dreams oh, yeah what? Yeah. On your podcast, you both said the chain perfectly together. <laughs> Did we? Yes. I was just looking at it. It changes. That's why. Clearly. That's why. It changes. I was no, like, you can't I was like, just change. The chain. Like, Should we do that again? Ready? Okay. I was like, one, two, three. The chain. She can't even do it. Can't I was, do it. This is what it's like working with her. I was listening last night. I was thinking, I can't wait to do that on the air tomorrow. It's going to be brilliant. It was rubbish. It's early. <laughs> Sorry, I apologise. Yeah. It's always it's better to fault. prep us. My yeah, we'll just wake us up with a coffee. Oh Stronger my god! All right, let's talk about um, first crushes. You talk about that a lot, don't you? So, so uh, Michael J. Fox versus Kenna Reeves tells you her age, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but hard. The thing about Keanu Reeves what? is that there's an actual restraining order I know, out I know. on on her with Keanu Reeves. Oh yeah, by I went, your manager. Yeah, says. I went on Jimmy Fallon. Did I not tell you Keanu who last, was on there? The last guest for this season of the show is. No, <laughs> get out of it. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't be allowed Imagine. anywhere near me. No, I went on Jimmy Fallon and I got very excited because Keanu was on there. And I, I think Keanu gets better with age too. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And you don't care about his nicotine stained fingers or no, you, you just his bring dirty it all boots, on. his scuff shoes. No, I don't care <laughs> about any of bike. it. You've got to be a lover, not a fighter. And if you're not prepared to die for your love, then. Did you see that interview on Drew Barrymore? Yeah, you know, it was amazing. <laughs> uh, I, lo- I loved your story about um, the fact that he was asked about... Because he's quite a theorist, he's quite zen, isn't he? You yes. Know? And he was asked about... Um, what... what happens when people die? Yeah. He's about to cry. It, does. it make... he said. He said to... Uh, it was Stephen Colbert, I remember seeing it, and he said, uh, he said, I don't know what happens when we die. He said, but what I do know is that those who love us will miss us. I mean, that's that's a very zen answer. Is she is she crying yet? Does she need some? And the whole studio tissue? went quiet. Yeah. And Stephen Colbert kind of got a bit teary too, and just shook his hand and went. 
he didn't even close the interview. Yeah. Like Keanu had just done it so brilliantly. Meanwhile, Cat's at home missing him the most. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not even dead. What else are you two going to do together? You've got to do some more stuff. People love you two together. I mean, I this is a nice start. Already. It was a nice start. Yeah. Um, have, you got some, have you got something in mind? I bet you have, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they even purr together. Yeah. <laughs> They're literally perfect. That was the chain moment. It that was, was it. Yeah. That was a good one, Thank goodness there was one. <laughs> I was really looking forward to that. <laughs> oh, no, uh, it's great to see you both. You're both nice amazing. Oh, you too. Seriously, great. Thank you well for done. It's a great listening podcast. Listening to it. Thank you. It's yeah. a great podcast. Friends will be friends forever. You get your podcast. BBC Sounds is where it is, of course, as well. Episode one of the new series with Daisy May Cooper available tomorrow on BBC Sounds. Thank you, ladies. Thank Thanks. you. It's lovely to see you. Yeah. Whatever you're going to have, wherever you're going to have it. Thank you very much. For a cheeky Monday. That's very strong <laughs> play for a Monday, isn't it? The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Our next guest is a multi-talented star of page, stage and screen and he's heading to a theatre near you in the classic comedy The Lavender Hill Mob on tour from next month. You know him from The Crown and The Durrells. Your kids know him from The Big Pink Castle in Balamori. So sit up, listen up and giddy up. It's Miles Jump. Morning, Miles. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Before we go any further for tickets to see Miles and his pals in the Lavender Hill Mob lavenderhillmobplay.co.uk it's very important we get that there uh, get that out there lavenderhillmobplay.co.uk for people who don't know who aren't versed in the wonderful uh, lavish Lavender Hill Mob what is it? The Lavender Hill Mob well it was a, an evening uh, an evening? an Ealing good morning uh, an Ealing comedy so the 1950s it was a, Alec Guinness and Stanley Holloway were, were in it originally and it is it's uh, it's a caper, a romp, a heist. It's uh, it's two men who uh, uh, conceive this plan to steal uh, a load of bullion uh, from a van and uh, and ship it out of the country. And I am one of those two people. Justin Edwards, uh, my great friend, is the other. And uh, yeah, a cast of eight of us actually. So just trying to tell the whole story uh, uh, in a sort of slightly mad madcap. Way. It's quite. It's slightly tiring. I'm in, as you can see, sort of leisure wear, which isn't what I'd normally wear, but it's because we have to sort of bend and dash around in the rehearsal room. Uh, uh, so I'm going on to rehearse it now. But, yeah, it's it's, re- it's really good fun. It's directed by a man called Jeremy Sams, who uh, I've tried to work with uh, before, but who did some of the things I really loved. He did this amazing production of Noises Off, the Michael Frayn play, uh, which was at the National and the West End, and I completely loved. I went to see it with my mum, and I remember her saying at one point, leading over, go could you just laugh more quietly? And I said, what do you mean? She said, you're laughing louder than everyone in the theatre. <laughs> and I thought, well, this is good. I'm, I'm presumably, I'm, you know, trying to, you know, just jolly things Fire along a bit. Fire starts. But that's the, yeah. And um, for people who haven't seen the film, obviously there was a remake, wasn't there? There was a Tom Hanks remake. You could watch either. Have you watched both? Is there a Tom Hanks remake? I think so, yeah. I'm abs- If there is, I'm absolutely oblivious to that. Well, unless I've Was it rewritten that. as Castaway? Is that what you're thinking of? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm his sh- friend replaced with a ball on the well, beach. I'm yeah. not sure about anything, to be honest. But I thought they'd remade it. Um, from what I remember of the original, I love the original, because it is such a caper. Um, it's based around a B&B, isn't it? Or, that's right. That's yeah. so the Lavender Hill, that's where that's there's a sort of the, the Belmoral Private Hotel in Lavender Hill, where this man uh, that I, I play, uh, Holland, uh, lives, and then this other guy that makes his his job is making sort of tourist tat. He moulds sort of sculptures and stuff like that in his own little foundry, and that's where they get the plan to melt the gold into uh, disguise it. Uh, but yeah, so it's with this sort of terrifying old lady, Mrs. 
uh, Mrs. Evesham, who uh, makes stinky oxtail soup every day for the guests. Uh, she's the Lavender Hill landlady of the digs. That's right, yeah, yeah. OK, is there a staircase? There is, uh, there, there is a, a, an improvised staircase. I remember a lot staircase. of running up and down of the, the staircase. Yeah, the well, we were practically rehearsing a scene yesterday. We had to run up and down, uh, not stairs, but the, Eif- the Eiffel Tower, which were attempt to recreate that was i'll be honest that was absolutely exhausting and in, involved complicated mime which um, wasn't in my repertoire until about ten forty-five yesterday there was a lot of me looking around and going am i doing the right thing and where are you with it out of 10 you know if it was a patient you know um where are you with the rehearsals where where are you as far as um com- com- completeness is concerned to the production well we open we open in two weeks time irrelevant really so yeah yeah time is i mean it depends how importantly you you view time as a concept really uh there's there's a deadline we're working towards which i suppose ultimately we are with with patience as well uh but it will we'll just get we'll get where we can when we can i'd give it a seven it's it's not on you know it's not on a ventilator no it's it's it's, it's doing all right it's recovering well and people you know we, we just can't have visitors yet it's going in the right direction i love it um and so the tour it's great tour cheltenham you kick off in cheltenham on the 13th of october for five or six nights then cluid uh, for the end of october then the new theater in cardiff for the first to the fifth of november the malvern theater 7th to the 12th of november then richmond to the 14th to the 19th of november the brighton theater royal the cambridge art center yvonne arno theater the Glasgow Theatre Royal, the Bath Theatre Royal and the Hall for Cornwall. And that's basically from October through to February. That's a nice tour, isn't it? It is It is a nice tour. Getting I to can't... know those places for... A, you know, you're not there for a night like a band, are you? Yeah, yeah. So you get... No, you can settle in somewhere nice and you do find yourself... You know, you get sent the script. You think, I must have a look at that. But you also think, oh, where are the venues? Oh, I'll just, I'll just have a little Google. Oh, they've got a branch of coat. That looks nice. What else have they got there? And then you think, oh, no, I must, I must look at the script now and take this slightly <laughs> more seriously. But there is a degree of thinking... How much luxury can one squeeze into it? And what, do you request place? houses for digs? Because you know this is a very li- potentially a very live, you know, in the real world Lavender Hill uh, situation where you could end up. Well, of course, that exists. That's an old-fashioned theatre dig system. So it gets, you know, and you get sent a list of things, and you and you look at it, and you think, I you know, and it will say something like, uh, uh, "Please uh, come and stay at our house." Uh, uh, you know, there's a, a double bed and there's a shared bathroom. Uh, please, you're welcome to use the piano, but not after ten at night. And uh, do join us in the lounge to watch television. You think, I cannot think of anything worse. I'm afraid oh, see, I, that sounds absolutely quite hell. Homely, to be honest. It sounds, it sounds like the sort of thing you would do if you were making a kind of travelogue and it was about how yeah. does this sort of slightly odd person go and interact with complete strangers in their but home. But you get that on Airbnb, don't you? You get, you get whether or not, you know, because a lot of people have uh, sheds at the bottom of the garden that they rent out as Airbnb and people love them and things like that, little annexes and things. Um, and some people now have installed those pods to have as Airbnb for, for paying customers and for their pals and their friends at the weekends perhaps but you do get this sense that some hosts because that's what they call them isn't it hosts some invite you to be part of their lives and others don't and that's all sort of quid pro quo and sorted out yeah i just it just i just think you need the sort of uh, the rules laid out beforehand i suppose yeah. you've got to, you've got to scroll to the bottom of everything now haven't you and if it says <laughs> by the way this house is occupied uh, or haunted or, or whatever or by the way my, my husband plays the bagpipes or whatever you have to you've got to read so many of these things yeah yeah you'll be sharing the shepherd's hut with a dance troupe or an actual dancers. sheep yeah. um <laughs> funny 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 uh, Mars good luck with everything would you like to say anything else to everybody um listening to the show to get them to go and watch Lavender Hill Mob uh, by going to lavenderhillmobplay.co.uk 
Oh, uh, I would say, please come along if uh, if you imagine it's the sort of thing you'd enjoy. And in its favour, it contains no references whatsoever to any current political or international uh, events. So uh, it could be an evening of escapism for you. <laughs> if, if nothing else, but I'm sure it'll be a right hoot. All right, so you're looking at Clewood and Cardiff and Malvern and Richmond and Brighton and Cambridge and Glasgow and Bath and Hall for Lavender Hill Mob. Cheers, Miles. Thank you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. I think we should all start living a little more Danishly. So come over here and give me a hygge. The latest book from the head of the Happiness Institute, My Hygge Home, is out on Thursday and it's full of tips to sort the wheat from the chaff in your gaff. So please welcome a man very much to our liking. It's Mike Viking. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Welcome. Anything to say to Rachel? <laughs> Rachel likes candles. Yeah, and with good reason. Let, yes. let me tell you a story. Um, when I first published uh, the book about Hugo, there was a Canadian journalist who read about Hugo and, like you, he said, I need to get some candles. Uh, because Hugo is about creating a nice atmosphere in yeah. a room. And you want to go with the warm, soft lighting. It also makes people look nicer. We call it looking <laughs> grotto fabulous in Denmark. <laughs> But, but uh, this Canadian guy, he started to light uh, candles for dinner at home with his family. And him and his wife have three teenage sons. And the teenage sons, they started teasing their dad. You know, dad, what's going on with the candles? Do you want to have some romantic time with mom? Should we leave? But then he says, eventually the boys, they started to light the candles for dinner. And most importantly, he said, our family dinners now last 20 minutes longer because the atmosphere, the change in atmosphere around the the dinner table, the candles put the boys in a storytelling mood. So instead of just sitting down, shoveling down their food, they sit down, they sip their wine, they talk about the day. And that that was actually the sort of seed that planted the idea for this book. You know, what other sort of little design hacks can we implement that will change how families interact and, and improve well-being at home. So it does start with candles. Yeah. It can start with candles and cushions, but you said basically it's cushions and candles. No, that's the gateway. <laughs> that, that's the difference. That's the difference there. So we're not going to let you off the hook, um, but it's okay because because Mike is such a nice bloke and he's full of hygge, and it doesn't. It's it's going to be fine. Uh, so let's talk about the other foundations of hygge because you know uh, BJ Fogg wrote that amazing book Tiny Habits. You know what you can add on to. All already existing habits to make them part of a regime which means that you don't have to make the decision to do them every morning they just happen and you can do a similar thing when it comes to huga and planting these physical uh, situational seeds in and around your home and your life right and 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 this book is also about how do we take our house and turn it into a home mm-hmm. and it is interesting when you ask people in the uk what makes a house a home none of them mention stuff uh they mention laughter there's a lot of that on, on, the, on this program. They mention happiness. They mention love. They mention belonging. They mention the smell of good food cooking and family dinners and having friends over for dinner. That is what makes a house a home. So that's also one I want to focus on with this book. And the candles can be one thing. But I think one, <laughs> one thing that concerns people right now is the cost of living. Yeah. Prices are going up in Denmark. I'm sure it's, it's that the case in, in, in the UK. And another simple design hack I talk about in the book is... You know, who is about living the good life on a low budget? So make do, use what you have in terms of groceries. So in my fridge, I have a hospice shelf. 
So it's the shelf I see when I open the fridge. It's not hidden behind jams or something. It's, it's in clear sight. And that's where I put the food, the vegetables I need to eat in the next day or two. So something you need to build into today's lunch or today's evening. That's a hospice shelf. So put all your stuff that you need to eat in the next day or two there. Um, that's a simple hack. It will make you use the groceries that would otherwise go in the, uh, the bin. The average UK household throw, uh, throw out 700 pounds of food each year. So we, we, need to, we need to harvest that. We need to build that into our, our, our sort of daily hygge routine. So and that's the, another Yeah, that's and another the value, because that speaks to your own value system inside, doesn't it? your belief system. And when you sort of um, reconfirm that or you recalibrate it, you just feel a bit better about yourself, don't you? And that, yeah. that's, that's really important. Exactly. And, and hygge is about this sort of feeling sheltered from the outside. Um, so when, when I try to explain people beyond candles what Hugo is. <laughs> I, I tell them the story of, of a few years ago, I was in Sweden with, with my friends and we had been out hiking during the day. It was winter time. So in the afternoon, we came back inside as, as, as you know, so darkness descended and we got the fire going in the fireplace and we had prepared a stew and those were sort of the sounds you could hear, the fire in the fireplace wow. and the stew uh, boiling. And we were relaxing looking a little bit like Rachel in our sort of big sweaters and, 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 and in our comfy clothes. Um, maybe there was some wine. Uh, and we're sort of relaxing, enjoying each other's uh, silent company. Uh, and one of my friends then said, could this be any more hygge And then one of the girls said, yes, if there was a storm outside. Because hygge is also this feeling of being sheltered from the outside. And I think that's also what we need these days. It's a turbulent world. There's a lot going on that we don't have control over. But we do have control over what's going on in our home. We do have an influence over what's for dinner tonight and how is the atmosphere going to be around yeah. the dinner table. And it's not isolation. It, like you say, it's shelter, isn't it? And it's security, right. that kind of thing. And they do say happiness is an inside job, as far as we're concerned, but also as far as your house is concerned, your life is concerned. You know, and I, I remember um, being schooled by Sharon Osborne um, when I moved to Los Angeles. And she said, you know, the one big mistake that Brits make, not Danish people, Scandinavian people, is that they spend as mo- they they get as big a mortgage as they can possibly afford, and then they're left with no money to furnish the insides of their house. Whereas in LA and California, you, you sort of you, you you might even go half on the mortgage, so you can have nice stuff inside with, without becoming over materialistic. Right, and 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 that's a mistake. I mean, people are looking for happiness in the wrong place. That they should be focusing. You know, not on the furniture, but how do we interact with people who are sitting on that furniture? Um, but, I mean, one of, one of your great people, Churchill, you know, said it quite well. You know, we shape our buildings and then they shape us. And we can see how we shape our homes, impact how we feel, how we interact. There's a really cool uh, UK cohort study that followed kit, kids that were born around the 2000s. And you can see 50% of them, roughly, at the age of seven, have a TV in their room. If you look at those kids four years later, the kids that had TVs in their room are 20, 25% more likely to become obese when they're 11. So think about how you design your home. If you want to put a, a, a TV in, in your kid's bedroom, fine, but there's, there are some risks associated with that. And that's what I wanted to do with this book. Uh, educate people in how we design and furnish our homes impact our mental and physical health and basically how we can create a stronger connection with people, how we can have more family dinners and basically 
um, achieve the good life, especially on a low budget. OK, so um, we've got to go now. This is a book. It's called My Hugo Home, How to Make Home Your Happy Place. It's Mike's uh, fourth book. He really knows what he's talking about. And it's it's just reading this makes you just feel, I don't know, more content. And I, it wasn't bad to start with where I'm concerned, for now at least. Um, if, you, if people listening, one thing they could do today to, to, to get a little bit closer to happiness, what would you say it would be? Find out what is in your pantry. Make a good homemade meal, invite some friends or family members over or even your neighbour. Mike, it's great to see you again. Likewise. You're always welcome. Thank you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.